thankful for what I feel and sense and the hunger that's here. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of hunger. And if you thirst and hunger, then that's the ones that God feeds. And so I'm thankful for what I sense here tonight as a hunger and uh, <clears throat> glad to be a part of it. And hopefully all this that I'm going to attempt to do will make some kind of sense. Amen. And, uh, of course, it's an honor to be with the Elms and uh, longtime friends. And I've seen Brother Carney over there and, and then all these wonderful men of God and, and all. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. And if I left you out, I'm sorry. And um, we'll blame it on the medicine. Amen. And my wife says, you, you, you forget so much anymore and you can't hear. And uh, I was diagnosed and supposed to have hearing aids. And then a few months later, I went in for a little heart surgery. And I told him, I said, I got news for you. There's no way that I'm going to have heart surgery and start wearing hearing aids in the same year. <laughs> so I'm kind of kicking against it. Amen. Well, God bless you. Aren't you thankful for COVID? <laughs> Didn't get much response there, did we? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I want to read to you tonight from the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And if you want to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. <clears throat> and uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 4. When the fullness of time was come. Now that's the way I've always read it. When the fullness of time. But it says when the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son made of a woman under the law. Under the law. Amen. Now, I, I, I don't like preaching with these high octane evangelists. Yeah, they got all this energy and, and all, and I'm even going to use an iPad tonight with some notes which I hardly ever do. And the first lapel mic. And I'm going to start out maybe a little slow, but if you will just stay connected and stay hooked up, I think the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. Amen. Praise God. Boy, you, you serious about that? How many want the Lord to talk to you tonight? Amen. Let's pray and ask for his favor in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your eternal word. We thank you, God, for the scripture. Thank you for the solidity of it. I pray now that your word would go forth with clarity and with power. And I pray that you confirm your word tonight with signs following. I give you the glory and the honor. I ask it for your love and your wisdom, your understanding tonight to communicate your word. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.
I want to talk to you while you're being seated tonight. I want to talk to you about the intersection of time and seasons. And uh, it may start out more like a Bible study. <laughs> and uh, I used to, man, when I was a kid, Wednesday night Bible study, they're like, oh, man, it's just so boring. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, I... Uh, I had a friend, a, a, a boy that I developed a friendship. This was in a little town called Kennett in southeast Missouri. And uh, it was fifth grade. And our teacher, which later, uh, he started attending one of our churches in Dyersburg, Tennessee. But he, uh, <laughs> he um, um, Mr. Black was his name. And so on the first or second day of fifth grade, he asked us the question where he said, I want you to stand up and introduce yourself, tell us who you are, your parents' name, and where you go to church. And uh, now I know some of you grew up in the church, glad to be one of them, but I didn't start out that way. <laughs> and the Kennett Church at that time sat next to the South School, which I attended. You could literally look out the window and see the school across from it. And back then, the Kennett Church, I, I'm sure it still is, but... It was, it was wild and crazy. I mean, it was just, and so, uh, but Marvin Hicks was coming to Kennett to debate a Church of Christ man. And so uh, they were referred to as Camelites. And so on the way home, I asked my mom, I said, what in the world is a Camelite? And uh, is it somebody's got a couple, you know, I mean, uh, no, it's, Reference to Church of Christ. Oh, okay, all right. And so that was fresh on my mind. So when they got to me, I stood up. Now, I was born and raised in this. Second Sunday, first, second Sunday in my life, I was taken to church and dedicated. So this is all I've known, all I want to know. Amen. And uh, so when I stood up, I said, my name is Mark Morgan. I'm the son of Herschel and Joyce Morgan. We live on something Harris Street. And I attend the Church of Christ Church. <laughs> and when I sat down, the boy next to me, his name was Johnny Poole. He leaned over and said, my name's Johnny Poole, and my daddy's one of the elders at the Church of Christ Church. I've never seen you there. <laughs> yeah, be sure your sins will find you out, some very fast. And so he said, uh, do you attend? I said, well, actually, I And uh, he said, where? I said, oh. He said, can I come to church with you sometime? No, no. <laughs> Especially Church of Christ, no. We don't want any visitors. <clears throat> so we made a deal. He would come to our church and I'd go to his. And so I went with him on a Wednesday night, believe it or not, and it's just different. And then, uh, so we was trying to decide when he would come to our church. And so he, I said, well, what about Sunday morning? No, no, we have a Sunday morning service. Well, what about Wednesday? Because back then, Sunday night was the only night God could move. 
everything was Sunday night. And so I definitely didn't want him to come on Sunday night. And he said, no, I, 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 I said, well, how about Wednesday night? I said, it's Bible study, you know, dead, dull, boring Bible study. No, I can't. We got service then. He said, the only thing I'd have left was the Sunday night. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you ever really think about what our visitors, they're, when they walk into a red, hot, wide open foot stomping, aisle running, pew jumping, devil casting out service. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I am. I'm wasting time, I think, amen. And so, um, <laughs> he, so I, I, I wasn't much for prayer, but I prayed all week. <laughs> Please, God, let it be one of them bound up services <laughs> let brother Fowler J.W. Fowler is our pastor then I said let brother Fowler preach on tithe and offering that always gets real quiet in the church no and why is it that we can't sing a song just one time we sing it over I figured that out one time because most back then most of the people sitting out there if they sing that song one more time I'm going to do something so God heard him say that, so he was giving him a little opportunity. And so everything was kind of smooth until a lady by the name of Peggy McMillan got up and sang an old Don Johnson song. It's already paid for. No contracts to sign, no fear of being behind, no furniture to acquire. There'll be no, see, it marked me. There'll be no leading desire because it's already paid for. And, you know, she just sang it through, and then I, I knew because she kept, you know, and then she kind of got the little, and back then they had these big hairdos that, you know, they put oatmeal boxes. They really would. And, and pile their hair up around, and it was way up and bobby pins everywhere. And boy, when them heads got to going like that, first of all, you never knew what was about to fly out of some of them hairdos. And man, she cranked loose on that, and I mean, and we had this, I can't believe it. I had this, we had this little lady on the, she, right here in the center, about second pew right here. And um, her name was Sister Opal. Have you ever noticed that some people can't enter the presence of God? They explode into the presence of God. And so, I mean, sister, and, and the tambourines were coming out. Everybody back then was a tambourine player. And the tambourines were coming out. And the accordions were going. And we even had drums. I mean, when they first started, it was rock and roll. We don't want the drums in the church. Man, it was cranking loose. And old Sister Opal, she'd get to going, woo, and she'd just spin around. The next thing I heard, and old Brother Sanders sitting right over there where about Dylan is, I mean, it was his spot. He, I never seen anybody come up off a pew that high. And he'd give this war cry, come up off that pew, I mean, 10 foot in the air. And when he hit the ground, he was already in forward motion running. And I mean, that joker could run. And so uh, 
it started breaking loose. So Sister Opal and then Brother Sanders, like, ah, and here he come. Now we were sitting uh, about halfway in the back. Now there's six of us, six kids. I'm the, I'm the best looking. I'm, I'm the smartest. I'm the first. Jeff's delusional. He thinks that he's mom's favorite, but we've agreed to let her tell him that so he won't get bitter. And so, well, we were sitting there, and Johnny was sitting on the end. And so it's breaking loose, and Brother Sanders come running around, and when he passed Johnny, Johnny turned and said, what was that? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know how folks are when they get off their medication. They just start doing all crazy stuff and all, you know? And so he, well, it was then out of my peripheral view, I see my, my dad's head go. And oh no, it's going to strike right here on the pew. So dad went to doing that, that little deal he did and, and does and worshiping and it broke loose. And they were dancing and shouting and, and I forgot about Johnny. And I thought, I feel guilty now, you know, so I just, you know, kind of. And then I turned to look at Johnny and I seen this tear. And I thought, oh, God. We've done fighting the boy to tears. <clears throat> so I turned and I said, you okay? I'll never forget it. This before God. I said, are you okay? He said, I don't know. I, I feel something. Oh, man, I'm, I'm ready to get bold now. I'm, a, I'm, I'm ready to witness. <laughs> he said, what is it? I said, it's the Holy Ghost. Now, in my mind, his dad's an elder at the Church of Christ Church. He, I said, you don't know what the, he said, what's the Holy Ghost? I said, you don't know about the Holy Ghost? No. I said, well, you know, in my feeble way, you know, it's the Spirit of God and all. He said, can I have it? Sure. So I took him down, brought him up to the front. You know, I mean, it's kind of like in our services, it's fresh meat. And the claws come out. And the back massagers start. And they started. I mean, and, and within, I'm going to say five, ten minutes, Johnny's laying flat on his back, talking in tongues, worshiping God. So, can I just tell you, I didn't mean to start, we can't lose that. I want to say it again, we can't lose that. You've heard it most of your life. God can do more in 20 seconds in his presence than we can do in two or three hours of whatever it is that we're doing. So, you know what? Let the crazy folks be crazy. Let the aisle runners run. Let the pew jumpers jump. Let those that want to dance, let them dance. Man, I started out pretty fast, believe it or not, right there. I want to I direct your attention back to our text. And real quickly, let me just kind of, uh, Galatians chapter 4. I, I, I'm a, a student especially. I love the book of Romans, especially the 8th chapter. 
and the eighth chapter of Romans and the fourth chapter of Galatians, there's a lot of the same stuff in it. Uh, when Paul's writing to the church of Rome, he talks about uh, the new birth. He talks about wherefore they cry, Abba, Father, and talks about the adoption. And then later he talks about to wit the redemption of our bodies. So he comes down through there and basically eighth chapter of Romans is about sonship. Uh, the dual nature. Uh, see, when you receive the Holy Ghost, your spirit was redeemed, but the problem is your body wasn't. And this is your battle. Quit blaming the devil. The devil ain't got nothing to do with, you're not even on his radar. Boy, that went over real well. Your biggest enemy is your flesh. You sin not because the devil made you do it. You sin because you were drawn away by your own lust. And so quickly, let me move into this. So the deal is Paul talks about this, this adoption process and all this stuff. And then he picks it up with the church of Galatia. Of course, a lot of the writings of Paul to this church is dealing with Judaizers that had come in and, and all this stuff. And so he's trying to establish and he starts out by saying, who's bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? And really, we still need to be reminded of that. This thing started in the spirit. You're not going to finish it in the flesh. If it started in the spirit, it's going to be completed and finished in the spirit. And so, yeah, Pentecost started in the spirit. Started with the wind. And then Paul goes from that, he, and, and then he starts talking about uh, the real twist of it is, is when he actually says that the Jews in Israel is really the bond woman in the serpent. And the church that is from above, it's the mother of us all. So he's kind of really messing with these people. So then he comes into our text. He starts talking about the promise. And then he comes into our text and he starts talking about sons and then he gets into this deal about uh, when the fullness of the time came, Christ was born of a woman made under the law. But if you'll notice, he comes down through there. He again talks about the adoption process. So he starts using some of the same terminology. Verse 6, and because you're a sons, and God sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Well, when it says Abba, Father, that's some of the same stuff. Hey, Dylan, come up here and fix this to where it don't go off. And... I mean, I have enough shutdowns in my brain. I don't need one on that. Amen. <laughs> and so uh, the deal is, is uh, where was I at? Uh, uh, Abba Father. Wherefore they cry, Abba Father. Starts talking about the adoption process. I want you to understand it is in the fullness of the time, especially in these texts, that is the revelation of sonship. That you, we have to understand that. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. Not we're going to be the sons of God. We are present tense the sons of God. But when he gets into this, he starts talking about the adoption process, wherefore they cry out before the adoption process, which I find very amazing because when he's mentioning that, he uses a Roman custom. I found this several years ago in a commentary, what Bancroft, Bancroft, however you say it, and, and I, I, I printed it out and copied it and I got it somewhere in the office and I use it in a 
syllabus deal. We, but the deal is, is the adoption process of the Romans and of their time was completely different than our concept of the adoption. When a Roman father especially gave, had a son, he would bring out his son and introduce him to, uh, he'd introduce him to the world, to the family, to the community, and this is what he would say. Holding this boy, this is my son, and I'm pleased. It was then that he would place him into the hands of tutors and governors. And the father, according to Paul's writings here, the father would set a time. It was the appointed time, meaning that, okay, what you've got to do is, is you've got to educate this boy. You've got to make sure that he's ready and prepared because on this day, at this time, I'm going to give him everything. And so the second act of the adoption process, wherefore they cry, Father, Father. So there's two declarations of Father. One is that when they are, are born and the other is when they are mature. And so when the boy at that set time, the father would bring him back out and he would say, he would say, this is my son, hear ye him. He's the one going to run the business now. I'm, I'm through talking. He's the one that's going to do the talking now. So listen to him. He was heir. Now it's all his. In the parable of the prodigal, you get the same thing. And the father divided his living among them, their inheritance. They received it. So the deal is, is when he does that, uh, it's showing maturity. Now, Paul starts talking about for the, for the, for, for the creation groaneth, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So he knew that it was at the new birth. Now, to prove this to you, you could go back with Jesus. Uh, John said, uh, uh, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, which he, is this boring? If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, which he had testified of his son. Most people agree there's only two witnesses of the spirit to the sonship of Jesus Christ. The first one is in the waters of baptism when John said, you ought to baptize me. And Jesus said, nope, you baptize me that all righteousness be fulfilled. And, and so when he baptizes him and he brings him up, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost came descending like unto a dove and the voice of the father spake. And he said, this is my son and whom I am pleased. So it's in the waters of baptism that the father presents to the world. This is him. This is him. I also find it amazing that when he comes up, this dove come descending. A few months ago, I think the Lord showed it to me. Uh, I thought, you know what? Uh, okay. Going back to Noah when he has this window there and he lets this dove out of it. And the dove come back with an olive branch signifying that you now have a new world. Mm. So baptism is taught to us that when we go into the waters of baptism, we're going into the waters of baptism in an old world, but water moves us over, transfers us from an old world over into a new world, which is what, in typology with Christ, this is what was happening. And the sign that you are now a new creature is when the Holy Ghost comes descending like unto a dove, and there is a spiritual utterance. Anytime the father spake, it's a spiritual utterance. So the same thing happens to you when they take you up here to the baptistry or wherever it's at. When they... I have a baptistry. Okay, all right. 
they take it to the baptistry and they baptize you, you went into the waters in your old nature, the old man, the old creation, the old world. They baptized you when they brought you up. They brought you up with the newness of life and they brought you up should have been as a new creature in Christ Jesus. But now you need the empowering of the Holy Ghost and God is going to bear witness of you that you are now his son. And the way that that happens is, and when Paul says, wherefore they cry, Abba, Father, literally he's talking about tongues. It's not just Father, Father, but literally it's when there is this tongues that's going on. And for the first time, I call it the divine interchange. For the first time, now as you're speaking in tongues, you are declaring him to be your father and he is witnessing to the world, this is my child, this is my son. Jesus went on to say, the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof. The word sound in the Greek is phone. It's where you get phonics or language or speech. And Jesus said, and so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost, the wind comes, he said, now you're going to hear a sound. Not just the sound of a wind, but you're going to hear the phone. You're going to hear the language. You're going to hear the speech of it. So you know what? I'll tell you about Pentecost. We're trying to get everybody hooked on phonics is what we're trying to do. And we believe that when you're truly born of the Spirit, as Jesus said, and so is every man that is born of the Spirit. You can't see the wind, but you can hear the phonics. You can hear the language. And the book of Acts, when they received the Holy Ghost, they went to talking in tongues. Tongues is not, listen, tongues is not the Spirit. It is the witness of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost, but tongues is the witness saying, this is my son, this is my child, this is where I dwell now, this is it. And then you're put into the hands of tutors and governors because for every one of you, there is a set time. And the responsibility of the tutors and governors is to perfect you, to mature you, to get you ready. Well, who are they? Glad you ask. You ever heard of fivefold ministry in the book of Ephesians? That's the tutors and the governors. So when you're born again, your heavenly father places you in the hands of tutors and governors and says, it's your responsibility to make sure they grow up and it's your responsibility to make sure that they become mature because there's a day coming down the road that they're gonna reach the stage of glorification and they're gonna be revealed as the true sons of God. nobody teaching me what to do or training me yeah you do yeah you do you and Jesus ain't got your own thing going <laughs> seriously you're an infant just born and you don't need somebody to teach you if you don't have that in your life, you stay in a perpetual state of infancy. Now, I've been in some churches that were there because they had children teaching children. Boy, I'm missing this. I may have to come back months later and do part two. I'm not sure. Now, now, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this. So, well, what's, what's the second? Well, the second cry is, Abba, Father, to wit the redemption of your bodies, which is glorification. And then you're going to come back and he's going to reveal it to the whole world as the true sons of God. 
That's what Paul was talking about, but he uses the term. Everybody still good? Okay. I'm, I'm going to preach till I get hungry. And then I'm done. You can stay up here and prophesy, fall out, cast out devils. I'm going to go eat. And they already told me there's food back there, so I think it was a bribe and saying if we, we let him know that, he'll, he'll, he won't preach near as long as he normally does. So here we are. Now, I want, I want you to look at something here because when it said the fullness, I got to look at this the other day. The reason why I got to looking at it is because I was in prayer and I felt that, where's Brother Urshan? There you are. I felt that voice. That, that instinct, that something that said, everything that has happened in your life has led you to this moment. It's led you to this moment. So I got to looking at this and then found out some interesting things. First of all, when it talks about the fullness, it means to satisfy, to finish, to be complete. But then I found a really interesting definition in the same you know, you can get a Strong's Concordance and get dangerous with the Strong's Concordance. And I looked at it and, it, and it also means to fully preach. To fully preach. When the fullness of time came, when the fullness of the time came, Christ was born of a woman. Now, so I, okay, all right. So uh, that means to be complete, finished, to fully preach. Then I got to looking at the word time there and, and chronos, and you get the word years or space of time. And then I got to looking at the other word that's mentioned for time, which is uh, kairos, which means a set or proper time or a due season. And then there's a third definition for time, which is where you get the word uh, eons. The, the Greek would say aeons, which means ages. So you got these three definitions of the word time, but yet it says when the fullness of the time, when the fullness of the, uh, what is it, the Cronus came, Christ was born of a woman. So in other words, if fullness is all about this, now it's all about bearing witness of him. And so what happens is, is when the prophets begin to prophesy, and they begin to preach, which is all under the spirit of the prophetic, when they begin to prophesy or to preach, what they're doing is they're going to preach until it's full. They're going to say it until it becomes a reality. They're going to prophesy it until the fullness of the time comes. They're going to preach and prophesy until it's full. They preached until the time, and when the time was there, Christ was born of a woman, or as somebody mentioned today, he was flesh flesh now just just stay with me here a second so now here's the deal all right uh, years ago i used to preach an old message and i i, I don't uh, i used to preach an old message called when the thought become a thing and so the gnostics taught and they believed that uh, part of their understanding or their, their doctrines was is that everything was logos logos means thought or expression of thought and so to them everything was logos Meaning that you're really not in this building tonight, just a God somewhere is thinking all this. And so this is some of the stuff that was creeping into the church that John especially dealt with. And so it, to them, everything was logos. It was just a thought or expression of thought. 
But what happened is, is the Jews said, no, no, that's not the end of it. You just don't have a thought. If you have a thought, you have to have a thinker. And when John says, he said, we're not, I'm not going to go back so many generations. We're going to deal with this right now. I'm going back to the beginning. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God. So in other words, what they're trying to tell you, what John's saying is, yes, we agree with this, that you've got a thinker over here, and this thinker had a thought. But it goes beyond that, because in the 14th verse, he says, and the word became. And so what happens is, is the fullness of the time keeps moving, and the prophets are prophesying. It started as logos, thought, but then it becomes rima. I think I got these words correct. Rima means the spoken word. So what happens is, is the thought comes to us, and then when we begin to speak it, it becomes the rima, and we just keep speaking it until the time for it comes to pass. And the best way I can tell you is the thinker had a thought, and the thought become a thing. So when it says, in the, and he was made of flesh, Galatians says that, and then and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So prophecy, everything that was prophesied from the Old Testament, it just kept moving in time, which is horizontal. It keeps moving in time, and it comes down to a divine moment. This is the time that was set for this to happen. The word is going to be made flesh. It's not just going to be logos or something we preach or something we say. It's going to become a thing. It's going to become reality. And when the fullness of the time came, Christ was born of a woman. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Praise God. Praise God. I still believe it's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He, the Everlasting Father, the King eternally. See, we, we make a mistake when we don't fully preach it. We start out saying it, we start out prophesying it. But because it didn't happen the first time you preached or the first time you prophesied or the first time the thought come into your spirit, well, I, just, I guess it's just not going to happen. No, 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 no. You've got to learn how to just keep preaching, keep prophesying, keep moving with it, keep going forward because God has the set. Well, it didn't happen yesterday. All right, fine. Get up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. He made this day. He made this day. If it didn't happen yesterday, I'm going to rejoice today. And I'm going to speak about it again. And I'm going to prophesy it again. And I told Abounding Grace in San Francisco last Sunday, I don't care how many times I've spoke it. I don't care how many times I've preached about it. I don't care if you puke it up. I don't care. I'm going to keep preaching it. And I'm going to keep proclaiming it. And I'm going to keep saying it because there is a set time. I feel like preaching here just a second. Now, now I want to try to explain this. You know, I, I ought to be more prepared. So when I got here and God really got to 
dealing with me about all this stuff and all. So who's, who's the guy that helped design this? Where, is he in here tonight? Tyler, where, where, where you at, Tyler? I can't, I feel like Saul on the road of Damascus with those lights. Wherever you're at, thank you. Now, thank you. Now, here's the deal. People think I just say this, but I don't. When God gives me revelation, I'm in the office, I got a big whiteboard. And I draw stick figures. And I'll write something here, and then I'll draw a line over here, and then I'll draw a line down this way, and I'll take another verse this way, and it all connects. Now, that's the way I see it. And then when I get done with all that, and Jeremy and them's there in the office, I say, okay, take a picture. I got several of them on my phone. Take a picture. And now, okay, guys, figure all this out and help me put it in a systematic way that makes sense. <laughs> Jeremy told me one time I might as well learn Greek. <laughs> my son-in-law helps with all this. So here's the deal. I, I, I sit down and I kind of, Today at lunch, I kind of sit down and I drew this out. I usually get a lot of inspiration at lunch. I, I, I was <laughs> Jesus talked about bread. I can. So I, I drew it out. And I said, okay, now here's, here's how this is. Time is this horizontal line, and it just keeps moving forward. You can't stop it. But... Those two lines coming down, those two lines coming down is a season. It is a set time because the wise man said to every thing there is a season. So there was a season that Jesus become the thing. So God knows what the thing is, but then he sets it in this season. Now, the enemy's very shrewd because he doesn't care if you get there early and he doesn't care if you get there late. Just don't get there on time. Now, seasons are unique. Now, in California, our season, I grew up in Missouri and, you know, you got summer, winter, summer, winter, spring, fall, and summer, and we planted. I mean, dear Lord, I grew up in cotton fields and watermelon patches till I was... You know, and, and so, you know, we plant at a certain time. Let's say apples. I've used this example. Let's say if you want apples and there's no market, there's no Kroger, IGA, Piggly Wiggly, or whatever you have. Amen. There's none of that stuff. There's no target. You, it, it, the only way to get apples, you've got to go to the apple orchard. And so if you're going to have apple pie for Thanksgiving, there we are again talking about food. If you're going to have apple pie for Thanksgiving, then the deal is you've got to go to the orchard. Well, the fact is, if you go there in May or June, it doesn't matter how much faith you have. I confess apples. I hate to tell you, I just don't think it's going to happen because it's not the season. Now, you can wait and miss the season and then go out there in October or November and a bunch of fruit's rotten on the ground and you can say, well, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I thought God promised me apples. Well, he did, but there was a season for the apples. And you blew right by it. You didn't understand that there is an intersection between time and seasons and that that intersection is where things happen. 
I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Now, here's what I did. I told him, I said, now put, put this other one down here because Paul said all things work together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose. Not your purpose, his purpose. And so what happens is, is I've had to learn that. It's what the Lord spoke to me the other day. All this stuff that's happened to you, all these things that have happened to you leads you to this moment. So all things work together for the good. So, you know, the way you were raised, all the stuff that's happened to you. I mean, when, when, when the Lord spoke that to me that day, I said, heart attacks and heart surgery is a part of all things? Mm-hmm. I remember when they died, and I was sitting conducting a district conference when I got the text. My name is Dr. Lee. I'm one of the leading heart surgeons in the nation, and I need to schedule you for open heart surgery great oh no jesus is going to heal me i mean i confessed it i preached it i spoke it i had the church pray and finally the lord spoke to me one day and said this instinct it was like why is it that you think every mountain that comes into your life you're supposed to cast into the sea some mountains i plan on you climbing and you can only learn obedience to the things that you suffer Meaning when I ask you to go down a path you don't want to go, that's where you learn your obedience. And I want you to go down this path, and I'm going to teach you something else. There's a lot of ways, and some of you are going to disagree with me, but there's a lot of ways I can heal you. I can heal you divinely. I can heal you naturally. I can even use the, the medical field to heal you if I need to. It gave me a fresh appreciation for doctors and good cardiologists and kind Filipino nurses that were in there. They come in there and I say, I just want to thank you. I want you to know I'm thankful. I told the cardiologist operator, I said, I want you to know I'm thankful you're a good heart surgeon. <laughs> when they pushed me out of the hospital, I was sitting out there, my wife was pulling up and he come out, he come out of the hospital, see me out there, walked over, he said, Reverend, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what? He said, I don't understand you. There's just something special, but I want you to do something. Whatever it is that you're supposed to do, I need you to go do it because God spared you. All things work together for the good. So there's a lot of things that have happened through time in your life that you didn't understand, you complained about it, you whined about it. It's amazing to me what North Americans think is a little persecution or a little something, you know. It's, this is a true story. Somebody puts their staff or somebody on a, on a, I think, a week sabbatical from media and internet and Facebook and all. And this boy and on this part of his team said, I've never, here's what he said, I've never felt so persecuted and going through such a thing as I did by staying off of all this for a few days. You got people being sawn asunder. You got people with their heads being cut off and you think you suffered for Jesus? <clears throat> so all those things work together for the I just don't understand. I don't know why. There's a lot of things in my life I didn't understand why either. And I've learned something else about God. And some people disagree with this. You can get offended at God. John, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. 
And then he's in prison. I must decrease, he must increase. And now he's over here in prison and it's not going the way he thought it was going to go. And now he sends a message to Jesus. Are you he or do we look for another? Because this devil ain't the way I interpreted everything. And I said decrease and increase. This is not what I thought. And Jesus said, you go tell John, blind, see, lame, walk, dumb, talk, and blessed is he. That's not offended in me. And one translation that I like said, go tell John, let me run my business the way I want to run it. And some of you need to get out of the business of thinking that you're God and you're trying to run it the way that you want to run it. And you need to let God be God and you, whatever it is, these things that happen, you process I don't, I, don't I, I, I hate to tell this kind of stuff, but I know what it's like to have a couple nervous breaks down. I know what it's like to have a, be diagnosed with acute panic anxiety disorder. I've had some really dark days, and when it was going on, I thought I'd felt betrayed. Why in the world would you put me here? But then I realized, you know what? The only way, the only way you're going to get to the top of the mountain, Moses, to Revelation, is I'm going to put you through a thick cloud of darkness first. Hmm. Okay, I got, I got to, I'm, I'm losing some of you here. I'm, I'm going to pick it up here in just a second. And I'm going to scream a little bit and you'll think I'm preaching. <laughs> to everything there is a season and all things work together for the good. All the season of things work together. So here at this intersection, at this intersection, now, if you'll notice, I had him put on there angels ascending and descending. Are y'all still okay out there? <laughs> angels ascending and descending. Because the first place that I see this, this season, this thing coming down, the best description I have is Jacob's ladder. So Jacob is moving forward. He comes to this place. He took stones of that place. Do you realize what those stones were from? The place that he had come to was the place of his grandpa, Abram, Abraham's first and original altar when he entered into the land of Canaan. The stones that he took were stones off of Abraham's altar. So what some people use as a sacrifice, others want to use as a pillow. Hmm. And so he takes stones of that place and he goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, he has this dream. And in this dream, this ladder comes down out of heavens and he's seen angels ascending and descending upon it. And then he wakes up and says, surely the Lord was in this place. was two lines. This place, and I knew it not. And he wasn't saying, I didn't know I had a visitation. What he's saying is, is I didn't know that God dwelt here because this is a place of the altar and a place of sacrifice and God dwells here. And then he went on to say, this is none other but the house of God and the gate of heaven. Now hold that one right there. When he says the house of God and the gate of heaven, now he, let's, let's, let's go a little further over into the New Testament. Nathaniel's under what, a fig tree or something? Jesus calls for him and said, I seen you over here. And Nathaniel said, whoa, that's pretty good. And Jesus said, you think that's something? He said, from this day forward, the heavens are going to open. Now watch what he says. And you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
What he just told Nathaniel and those that were with him is, you are presently looking at the house of God and the gate of heaven. So in this season, I'm to be born of a woman. This is the season and I'm the thing. I am the house of God and I am the gate of heaven. So whatever is coming out of the heavens down to this thing called time, isn't it amazing that the first thing that God created was the heaven and the earth and he always intended for the earth to be in alignment with heaven. That's why in the Lord's prayer, he said, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth even as it is in heaven. So when earth revolted and got out of alignment with him, the thing could not happen that God wanted to happen. So the whole process of redemption is God bringing earth back into alignment so that it could become the house of God and the gate of heaven. And where that is, you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon it. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. Now, now, it just, just, I gotta, I gotta hurry. The deal is, he said angels ascending and descending. So when we come at this intersection of time and seasons, some angels ascend, others descend. And you gotta learn which is which. So when you come to that divine moment, God says, there's gonna be an ascending and descending of angelic visitation. I don't know if I believe that. Well, let me help you with it. Remember Jesus? He's in the garden, it's the moment, it's the season. The thing is Calvary. He's praying, he's there. The intersection of time and the season for Calvary, it's there now, we're there. And when it happens, the Bible says he went and prayed. And then he went, I mean, he's asking the disciples, come help me pray. Ah, oh, we're, we're tired, you know, leave us alone. And he went a little further and the Bible said, and the angels came and ministered to him so because he's at that divine moment when he's there in the fullness of the time there's always an angelic visitation now it's not always just an angelic oh when peter talks about the things which they desire to look into the angels he wasn't just talking about good angels he's talking about the whole spirit world and the subject is not just salvation it's prophecy the things that the angel, the subject that he's in is prophecy. So when something's prophesied or something's being preached, well, you're sitting there trying to figure out, I don't know if I believe that or not. I mean, is he really a true prophet or a man of God? And while you're debating whether or not that was a word from God, the whole spirit world is moving toward that place. That's why by the time you get there, they're all bunkered in. This is exactly what Paul said. He said, well, Corinthians, I really want to be with you, but I'm going to stay here at Ephesus until Pentecost because there is set before me this open door. There are many adversaries, but this is an effectual open door. The word effectual means power or energized. So Paul's saying, we've come to the intersection of Ephesus between time and its season. And there's things that are here at this moment. But guess what? There's angels that are going to ascend and there's angels that are going to descend and I know the enemy's already here but guess what we're going to have a breakthrough here because I'm going to preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it till the fullness of time comes and it becomes a reality and from that moment within a two year period of time from Ephesus this place where Paul said I fought the beast of Ephesus this place of spirits on curious hearts it reminds me of San Francisco so much it's pathetic but it was at that place in that school of Tyrannus that all of Asia heard the word of God within
than a two-year period of time. Why? Because somebody said to the Corinthians, I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to preach it and I'm going to preach it and I'm going to preach it because there's an open door of utterance that's here and I know that there are, I know there's demons and all sorts of stuff, but there's also an angelic visitation that's visiting the same location and the same place. I pray that in the end time, the apostolics will wake up and realize that they that are for us are more than they that are against us and greater is he that's within you than he that is in the world just get to the place God will give you everything you need at the place at the season it's not going to give you apples if it's not the right season alright all right, just, just sit down a little bit I'm, I'm going to wrap it up now I'm going to wrap it up Mm. Now, I'm going to close with an Old Testament story. Abraham, mm-hmm. your wife's going to have a baby. Huh? Yeah, she laughed. Shall me and my Lord have pleasure in our old age? Some of you need to study that. And this, this story to me is so unique because Sarah said, it's just not going to happen. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this Egyptian and I want you to produce through the flesh the promise. And God said, no, I don't need the flesh to produce that promise. I have a plan. And so you know the rest is history. Hagar and Ishmael, they're still fighting. So you got all that going on. All right? Abraham proved that he could father a child. So I have no doubt what they were whispering in the camp. Must be something wrong with Sarah. Something wrong with Sarah. Abraham produced a child. So there's definitely something wrong with Sarah. Let's go make sense here in just a second. Here she comes. There's something wrong with Sarah. She can't have a baby. Abraham, the father of many nations. Do you not understand how embarrassing it must have been when Abraham introduced himself? What's your name, Abraham? What's that? Father of many sons? How many sons do you have? None. And then finally one, I produced him through the flesh. This is more later. Hmm. Well, all right. It's Sarah. There's something wrong with Sarah. So Abraham... He pulls this with Pharaoh, and then he tries the same dumb stunt with the king of Gerar. Sarah is 90 years old. And they take this journey down there, and this king of Gerar sees her and says, I want her to be my wife. Now, I don't know how y'all do things in Florida.
young men don't drive around to the nearest nursing home <laughs> trying to find them a bride. Nine years old, he can have anybody in the land. He says, her. I'm just telling you, there's got to be more of the story of we're dealing with a sick puppy. That's all I can tell you right now. God speaks to him, the king in a dream says, if you touch her, I'll kill you. But there's something wrong with Sarah. Hmm. Mm. At that moment, when God told him, King Jarkat brought him in, he said, get out of here. What, what are you trying to do to me? And so they, but at that moment, the Bible says that God spoke to him and said, about this time, next year, Sarah is going to conceive and bear a son. Now, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but this is my personal philosophy. The only way she could conceive and the only way he would desire a 90-year-old is that God was already in the process of restoring her youth back to her. And he's about to prove to the camp there's nothing wrong with Sarah. It's all about timing. And the 19th chapter says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had spoken. And at the set time, Sarah bare a son, and they called his name Isaac. So you see, there was nothing wrong with Sarah. Just hear me. I have a word for you here. See, we start looking around at all these other midwives and wives and Egyptians right father just the wrong mother and they're producing offspring and so we get this thought among us must be something wrong with the apostolics there's something wrong with Sarah they're having revival they're having growth my god they haven't been like this there's thousands of people there there's something wrong with us there's something wrong with Sarah and because we get the pressure of that on us, we want to go over here and try to find something out of the flesh and produce something that God says, you don't understand. There ain't nothing wrong with Sarah. You don't have to reach over and borrow something to produce. I'm just waiting for the right time. I have a set time for this to happen. Woo! And you may tell the apostolic something, if we'll just keep moving forward, if we'll just keep preaching what we're preaching, if we'll just keep believing and keep prophesying and keep the logos, the thought, and then the rema and the prophesying, if we'll just keep on, we're, we're there. No, 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 you didn't hear that. You're, we're there. All this stuff that we've been predicted and all the stuff that God's going to do and God's going to do this in the church and God's going to do this. I'm telling you prophetically tonight that we have arrived at a particular time now and God said it's your time ain't nothing wrong with the apostolics there's nothing wrong with the one God Jesus name people it's all about time they're not going to produce this through the flesh it's about the work of the spirit Woo! 
Hallelujah. So you know what? Buckle your seatbelt. Here we go. It's the season. It's the season. Stand. It's the season. And all things work together. And it just keeps processing you. And it keeps bringing you to this. Because God says by the time you get to that season and that thing, I'm going to have knocked out of you everything that I need to knock out. I'm going to have chiseled on you. I told Dylan and Caleb this afternoon, I said, isn't it amazing? We, we mostly say that Jesus was a carpenter. You ever seen those pictures, wood shavings and him and that building a, a you know, kitchen table? Uh, no. Historians tell us that Jesus was a stonemason and his stepfather was really a stonemason. So it talks about a carpenter just means a builder. Isn't it amazing now all these statements that Jesus uses? On this rock, I will build my church. I say to you that you're Petra Little Rock, not Arkansas, but you're Little Rock. And Peter goes on to say, you're lively stones built for holy habitation. And so here's what God does. See, he took you as a lively stone, and he knows how you are to be fitly framed together. And he's got this master plan, and he knows the fitting of every block and every stone. So he starts working on you. Doom. And the Bible says that Lucifer was in the midst of the fiery stones. And he said, I don't like where you're trying to place me. My stone is bigger than where you're trying to fit me. I will ascend and I'll be like the most high. And God said, no, nah, that's where you made your mistake. I'm the builder of this thing. And so if you're not careful, the same thing will happen to you. I don't like what God's trying to cut out of my life. I don't like the things that I'm going through. But see, what you don't understand is God is doing his best to make sure that when it's time, you fit. He places you into the grand plan of his. He places you in it. So you know what? COVID, I rebuke it. You can rebuke it all you want to. Personally, I think it's a part of God chiseling on us and knocking And he's teaching the church, you know what? The only relationship you ever had with me is in a church service. Now you ought to try a one-on-one -on -one relationship with me. And if you need a church service to keep you saved, there's something wrong. And I preached last two Sundays ago about the power of the assembly. I believe in not forsaking. But I'm telling you, all this stuff that's been going on this past year, the last four or five years, it's just him cutting and measuring and cutting and measuring. And he said, the time is coming right now. And I'm going to put every one of you in the right place. And this whole thing's going to come together. And I'm going to bring about an apostolic network. And you're about to see the greatest harvest the world has ever seen because until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And all this stuff that we've been preaching and talking about, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it's here. It's time. My church has been promised revival for years. Good. Go home and shout. 
We ain't baptized anybody in a while. Go home and shout. Matter of fact, get up next to the baptistry, put some water in it, and begin to dance right in front of Get in the baptistry. I don't care. And dance around a little bit and say, hey, it's our time. We're there. We're getting there. All this stuff the church has been. I'm talking to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to a pastor right now. I mean, this last year out of, out of COVID has been a horrendous year. It's been horrible. And you're like, what in the world's going on? And the enemy's whispering in your ear. It's not going to happen here. It's just not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. I want to ask you, what was the Logos? What did God tell you? I don't care about what the neighboring pastor told you. I don't care about what your peers tell you. I want to know what did God tell you? Because if God spoke it, you just fully preach it until it's the right time. And when it's the right time, God says, what's this? That thought of yours is about to become a thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, apostolics. We'd ought to be rejoicing right now. I said, we ought to be rejoicing right now. You ought to be praising God like it actually just become a reality because you're at the season and the thing of that season, you are at the intersection of time and a season. Woo! Hallelujah. You heard it, I'm going to repeat it. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Do a little bit more. I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Shake that lying spirit off of you. Tell the enemy all things work together. I've not understood what was going on, but all things, this is going to make me more effective. This is going to make my ministry more effective. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't plan on being late. I don't plan on missing this season.
I want, I, just, just hear me a second. Just hear me. Just hear me. And I'll, I'll let you. I'll turn it over to him here in just a second. I can take it to the spot. I was preaching a revival for David Shatwell. I was pastoring an old moment preaching a revival for David Shatwell. I was in the building that, that day praying, seeking God. For them, I was in the floor, just weeping and sobbing, and the presence of God come in so, so strong. And the Lord spoke something to me. He spoke something to me. And for me, it was so far out there. It was just, it was beyond me. And the end time, you will stand in here, and this is what you will do. And this, and God, you don't understand, I, I'm from the cotton fields of southeast Missouri. I think you've made a mistake on this one. I'm not qualified to stand before that kind of people. And I'll never forget it. He said, you remember in that day that when Moses was in the court of Pharaoh, that Mo Moses was not in the court of Pharaoh because he was speaking my word. Pharaoh was in my court. I was struggling. Let me tell you where our unbelief is. Our unbelief is not, I'm, this is going to help a lot of you. Our unbelief is not in that we don't think God can do it. We just don't think God can do it through us. There's your unbelief. How many believe God can heal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I believe. Can he heal through you? Can he use you to do it? Now, mm, yeah. And so, I, I, Lord, this is, you, seriously, as a sign to you that this will come to pass, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to visit this area not many days hence with massive death and destruction. So I went and preached it that night. I didn't tell them what I felt like God spoke that I would do, like I'm careful with you. But when I got to the end of it, I said, God said as a sign, and there's a boy, one of the assistants, his name Tony Brown. I said, Tony, bring your Bible up here. And at 10 after 9, I wrote in his Bible, I will visit this area not many days hence with massive death and destruction. I dated it. I put the time on it, and I signed it. 9-10 on a Monday evening in April in Okemo, Oklahoma. The next morning at 8-something, Timothy McVeigh backed that rented truck up and blew the Murray Federal Building into oblivion. 150-something, I think, people went into eternity that day. I have a picture of that on my phone. And every so often when the enemy says, it's not going to happen, or how's this one? Time's getting by you. You're getting too old for all this. But every once in a while, I'll get that picture out, and I'll just look at it. God, I'm going to keep believing. Now, here's where we're at. Brother Myers, we're, we're, here's where we're at, Brother Myers. There's about to be <clears throat> um, a revival of prophets. 
Now, when I say prophets, just understand me. I'm not talking about the kind that we think operates in our church services. You, you got honkus of the bonkus and God's getting ready to heal you. Or you know, whatever. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of prophets that stand before rulers and kings and presidents. And they speak the word of God. Now, our leadership's got all kinds of crazy folks around prophets and people's prophets. But just listen to me. This thing's coming to a moment that God says, I want the real McCoy. I want the real deal. And that's where some of you are at. See, you're frustrated because it's not happening in the dimension that you think it ought to happen at this level. And God's saying, that's not the level I want for you. I want this up here. Where you're going to stand and you're going to speak my word. Now, just listen to me. That's one thing that I see. When I told you about angels ascending and descending, there's warring angels and there's angels of harvest. And we're going to have to learn to discern when it's time. You can't hold a sword and a sickle at the same time. So some angels descend and they're warring angels. It's time for the church to go into warfare. And then they will ascend. And when they ascend, the angels of harvest descend. We've been in a lot of spiritual warfare. We've been praying about this for years. Listen to me. Those angels are about to ascend. And an angel of harvest is about to descend because of the time. And he's going to thrust that sickle into the Gentile nations one more time. Better put water in your baptistry. Better put a little pledge on your altar and get it cleaned up. There's a harvest coming. I said there's a harvest coming. I've heard that so much. That's all right. I'm going to keep saying it and keep saying it because I believe the time for it's right now. They'll come from the north. They'll come from the south. They'll come from the east and they'll come from the west. And God is going to elevate this church. There's nothing wrong with Sarah. It's the time for Sarah to conceive and bear. Apostolic ministry is about to come to the forefront. True apostolic ministry is coming to the forefront. You ought to be rejoicing one more time and thanking God for it. You really believe that this is a word from God. You ought to respond. You ought to respond right now. You ought to magnify him. You ought to say amen and so be it. I believe the word of the Lord. I know you're doing a lot, but take one person by the hand and rejoice together. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Rejoice together. Your time is here. Your moment's coming now. It's here. The things that God's promised you, he's standing at the door right now knocking, trying to get in. God had more trouble getting the church to open the door to the miracle of Simon Peter than he didn't get Peter out of the prison. Open the door. It's here. Open the door, the miracles here. Have faith. When the Son of Man cometh, shall you have faith? Not the rapture, that means when I come to do the miracle, will you have enough faith to receive it? Let 
your faith explode in this place right now. Oh no, we ought to rejoice a little bit more than that. God promised me my child's gonna pray through. That backslidden child, I want you to dance like it's a Sunday night and they're talking in tongues, magnifying God and being delivered. God promised you a healing. You ought to magnify God, even those pain in your body right now. You ought to magnify him like the doctor just told you. I don't know what happened, but it's gone. I don't care how broke you are tonight. If God promised that he's going to open the windows of heaven, you ought to praise him like your bank accounts got more than you'll ever need. you raise your hands right now and by the authority of the word of God and by the power in the name of the Lord Jesus receive your miracle receive the Holy Ghost be healed right now in the name of Jesus somebody shout hallelujah let there be a thunder let there be a thunder be healed be healed be healed be delivered be set free tonight's your night the moment is here and the time has come would you shout unto god with a voice of triumph would you shout unto god with a voice of triumph hallelujah church arise it's our time it's our time it's our time it's our season hallelujah hallelujah check the back check the head check the pain and you ought to shout because God is healing people all over the building right now there's glory in the atmosphere and the power of God is in this place